It's just so wonderful to feel the the presence of His love amongst us. Isn't it amazing? You know, God's glory is awesome, and His anointing is powerful. His fire is wonderful. But His love is very softening, softens your heart, and so tender. And we're so grateful, Father, for testimonies of good and generous relatives and family. This is, this is what's rich, relationships that are loving and caring. Um, and uh, Jenny's husband, Vincent, last week, one of the things that he felt most in this ser- service was he said, oh, the people really love each other. And when we prayed for Jenny, there was just, we were one person could feel the faith. We've been in touch with Jenny since last Sunday, as others have, Glenda and myself have, uh, through just writing or voice notes. And we will continue to stand with her because the word's gone into her and it must work effectively. Uh, we know that there's much that has to be changed in her body, but the word works night and day. And yes, there's, we know that science can tell us something and we honor science. But for God, it is as easy to heal someone of a pain in the elbow as it is to raise someone from the dead. So all things are possible with God. And these three witnesses, there's the person who's suffering. There's the pain. And then there's the word. And we're going to stay with the, the, the word. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day to every father. You can, uh, you, can be a, you can be a father without having children. You can have other children as a father. Can you say amen? And the thing about being a father, the greatest thing about being a father is that your authority to lead your children is not because you're bossy. The authority to lead your children is the credibility of your character, the consistency. And a few times I've had to say sorry to my children when they saw I was not being consistent. But I was perfect, really. Glenda was not. (laughs) The credibility of a father is that a father believes in his children. And when you leave a legacy like that, you're not protecting your past, you're protecting your future. And if you had a father that just wasn't present and didn't know you were there, uh, you've got a loving heavenly father. And there are many fathers in the church that can love you and believe in you. That's the most powerful thing a father can do, believe in you. You know, my dad, if he just walked past me, and as he walked past, he just touched me on the shoulder and lingered his hand there for a while and then walked on. When he had left, I was, I can do anything. My dad just put his hand on me. Amen. Okay, it's getting very quiet in this Presbyterian church. That's what God did to us. He put his hand on our shoulder, didn't he? So powerful. Well, this is not in my sermon, but I just want to say that um, when you smile, your face paints a beautiful sermon. Did you know in Yale University, they did a study, a research on what 
positions people to be most successful, most influential, and to be most respected. And so they did a whole lot of studies. They thought, well, maybe it's your attitude. They researched that. They thought maybe it's the way people dress. You see my happy color I was on today, the yellow. Maybe it's the way they dress. And maybe it's their personality. Or it could be their level of education. And after months and months of study and research, you know what they found out? None of those things. It all came down to the one who smiles the most. You see, you can't control what, someone el- what is on someone else's face. But you can control what is on your face. Because when you smile, you only need 26 muscles. But when you frown, you need 62. (laughs) And so smiling is the way you come into the anointing. You see, everything is by faith. So in my book, I wrote, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Dr. Lex, editing my book, rightly saw People want to understand what that means. So he wrote a parable, which I have said will remain in my book. He wrote, he said, the reason why it's impossible to please God without faith is because faith trusts and believes that God is good all the time. (laughs) And so Jenny smiles a lot. How many of you notice Jenny smiles a lot? You see, when you're smiling, you are preaching a powerful sermon that Jesus is good all the time. God said to Job, you shall laugh at adversity and trouble. See, when you can laugh and you can smile when things are going wrong, you are smiling by faith. See, we do other things by faith, but we should smile by faith. Because when you smile by faith, your body tells itself, "Let, let all kinds of hormones loose to make you feel better. Amen. And how are you going to draw up the waters from the wells of salvation? The Bible says with joy, you will draw out the waters of salvation. You see, when you operate with smiles, you start activating and an anointing. You step into the fullness of joy because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Smiling will bring you into the anointing, even if you've got to start by faith. Sometimes I am so grumpy and so angry and so tense, I just do this. <laughs> and honestly, within seconds, something changes. Come on, how many of you can put a smile on your face right now? Just buffing. Something is, uh, something around the world. With the pandemic has distracted us to the virus, COVID-19. It's made us focus on that. But actually, the devil's going crazy and releasing an evil onslaught of multiple levels of diseases into the human race. He hates God, but he can't kill God. He can't attack God. So it's like someone putting an image of their boss up on the wall, a photograph of their boss, and throwing darts at the image of their boss because they can't hit their boss, so they hit the image of their boss. We are made in the image and likeness of God, and the devil hates God, but he can't hit God, so he's trying to attack the nations of the earth with some of the worst diseases that hospitals are not coping with around the world. And so the answer to what the devil's doing is to bring miraculous 
miraculous, supernatural signs and wonders and healings. Come on. Can you say amen? Amen. We have to just keep getting out of the boat because it's better to die trying to walk on water than to die of boredom sitting in the religious boat. Amen. I said two weeks ago, if we want to be successful, we've got to be willing to look foolish. And we've got to look willing to fail. And we've got to look willing to be embarrassed. I don't know about you, but I would rather be a Peter who walks on the water for a little while and then loses his faith and sinks than some who sit in the boat and never walk on the water ever in the entire Christian life. I'd rather walk on the water. I'd rather pray for the sick. I'd rather try to raise the dead than just play it safe in the religious boat. Come on now. City Church, I believe we are a water-walking people, but we're a bit wet. (laughs) Amen. That's what this house is. And as soon as you lose your fear of being humiliated and embarrassed, and you see, this is the thing. Only Jesus has the reputation. You don't have to worry about your reputation. Amen? What what would I have on my epitaph on my grave? Well, he got out the boat many times. He was wet often. But thousands benefited and were totally healed of incurable diseases. Come on, say amen. And so the, the, this is the standard. Jesus, anyone that came to Jesus sick and asked him for healing, he healed them all. He didn't turn one away. Okay. He walked past people that were sick, but they didn't ask for healing, so he didn't heal them. But anyone who came to him and asked for it, even crowds of thousands, he'd heal thousands in one day. Now, that's what his will is for every one of us. Our goal, City Church, our goal is one day, one day, every person who comes up to you for healing, they're going to get healed. Come on. Can you say 100%? Okay. So what do we do between now and getting to that goal? Get out the boat. Walk on the water. And if you get wet, let Jesus take you back to the boat, put his hand on your shoulder and believe in you. And then get out the boat again and go for it again. Amen. It's not about our reputation. It's about his. And this is what I believe. That the biggest fear coming on the planet is how to deal with terminal diseases and crippling diseases that are multiplying across the earth. And the church has not prepared itself for signs, wonders, and healings, and miracles because it's mainly just relying on science and doctors and hospitals, which is okay, and we believe in that. But friends, there are things coming on this earth that once the church moves into everyone that comes to us to be healed is healed, you will see millions of people believing on Jesus as their Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. When the church has got the answer to crippling diseases, I'm going to tell you that evangelism is going to become very, very easy because when they see our God cures the incurable. Okay, now, okay, you can be very quiet today if you want. So this is what I believe, that the Lord wants us to be a place where people can, from anywhere in Hong Kong or anywhere around the world, they can phone us and call for help for prayer for sickness. Can you say, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, now Sean knows that that's already happening almost every week. We've got people from different parts of the world calling us a city church and saying, can you pray for my dad or my uncle? They're terminally ill. Can you pray for them? And we want to get to the place, especially when all who we pray for are healed, 
But even before that time, we want to be in that place that we have so many people calling us for prayer to be healed that we've got a whole team ready in this church who know what the Spirit of God is and how to release healing. Can you say amen? Amen. Already Ash has already taken a group of people in this church through the course on healing, and we're going to deepen that, and we're going to be more uh, consistent in that, and we're going to go over and over again truths. See, when you get tired of hearing a message, that's a good sign, because if you're tired of hearing it, it means you're now ready to preach it. So never think of yourself just as a receptive person. Think of yourself as a disciple of Jesus being equipped over and over and over again. How many of you know that you have to do something over and over again? How many of you hear a sermon once and then you, for, for the rest of your life, you just keep on doing it and you, and you can preach it? No, you've got to hear a sermon over and over again. Let me just go and see. Everyone looks so, bye, bye, bye. Guys, what I'm saying is more important than a lady walking down the stairs. I'm talking about life and death. I'm talking about people being so equipped. You can preach these messages so easily. You can sit on a phone. You can sit across a coffee table and talk to someone about how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can teach them how to live not by their symptoms and their feelings, but to live in agreement with the Word of God. You can go to the promises in Psalm 107, verse 20. They called out to the Lord in their distress, and He sent His Word to heal them. If you, if you delight in His Word, and you keep your eyes on His Word, and you keep His Word in your heart, uh, it shall be health to all your flesh. You'll get to know the Word so well, and the greatest excitement you'll have is not just receiving healing, but giving healing to others. Come on, can you say amen? amen. And you see, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple, Graham and Kay Jones from the UK was one of those people that called City Church for help. Um, and they were on the edge of dying. And doctors could not understand what disease they had. They were speculating it could have been this, it could have been that. She was basically starving to death because her body was not absorbing any nutrients. She was was as thin as a rake, and she was literally dying. And the doctors were doing the very best they could for her, but she was dying steadily every day. And I'm talking about in this year. And finally, she called us, and we, I said, okay, You've got into a situation that I'm going to give you a voice note every single day or at least every second day until you're healed. And so I just spoke the word over and anointing over her and the truths of God over her over voice notes to the UK. And eventually she was writing back and saying, please don't worry about praying for me anymore. I know that I'm dying and I want to die and I'm in such pain that I can't stand being alive anymore. If she could have committed suicide, she would have done it because she didn't want to be alive anymore. Incurable, seeing the best doctors and dying. And I'm praying for about two months for her. And what did I do? I just kept going. And you know what? Just a few weeks ago, she writes on our website and she writes to us and she calls us. And she said, you know what? After all of that, I was so close to death, I could feel I was going. She said, I woke up the next morning and I was completely healed. And she said, in the next three days, in the next three days, she said, I put on five kilograms of weight. That's impossible. That's miraculous. 
And now she's talking to us, and she's got a job. She's working. She can see her children, and her husband, of course, is so relieved. Death's door. But Rob Rufus kept sending her voice notes. I just want to say to you, Kay, it's the will of the Lord that you live a long life, long, healthy life. For your children, finish your destiny right to death's door. I followed her right to the edge of the cliff and plucked her back. After months of feeling dreadful, she wakes up one morning and she said, as I woke up, I felt totally different. In an instant, in that night somewhere, the hand of the Lord came on her and the word was confirmed that had been put in her for months. See, a lot of people don't have any seed of the word in them and so they're waiting for months to be healed. But if you've got no seed, no crops coming up, no farmer puts, you know, refuses to put seed into the ground, no seed in the ground, but he's praying all the time, oh, Father, let a crop come up. Oh, Father, let the ground be healed. Oh, Father, let a seed, let things, let a crop come up here. That's a foolish father. Farmer, if you don't have seed in your heart, there's nothing that can bear fruit. And so I put the seed into it. People are waiting for some magical gift or some super-duper healer. It doesn't work that way. It's the Word. And you've got to put the Word in because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And the Word works effectively in us. First Thessalonians chapter 2 says it keeps working in us. So what are you doing now, Rob? Are you trying to bore us? No, I'm deliberately trying to bore you. Because I'm deliberately repeating and reinforcing and rubbing it in that every one of us are called to be experts. Because the greatest thing for this planet right now is a local church where every member knows the realm of the supernatural and the ways of God and how the Spirit flows and how to minister miracles to others. Amen. Amen. We'll give the Lord a shout. Too many Christians ignore the Word of God, ignore the teaching on healing, which is that most of the Bible teaches about healing. It's the greatest thing on the Word of God. Jesus heals. And they ignore all of that. They just ignore those sermons. They ignore those teachings. They go to sleep when they've been taught. Then when they get sick, now they've got no seed in them, no revelation in them, and they want some guru to come and just touch them and it'll all be fine. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes Jesus didn't pray for anyone until he had preached for three full days the word of God, the good news of the kingdom. Make hay in the sunshine. Build the word of God into you when you're healthy. Do not wait till you have a crisis. Oh, now where's the Bible now? Oh, oh, it's that dusty thing up on there. Oh, now I've got it on my computer. I forgot where it is. Don't wait to a crisis, to everyone scrambling to get the word into you. You get the word into yourself. Amen? You read this book when it's ready to be translated into Chinese. Build it into yourself. Because I know when Glenda and I have been in crisis, the one thing I'm grateful for, we've got a lot of word in us. Amen? So I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about two laws that guarantee healing. Two laws that govern healing and they guarantee healing. You say guarantee. Yes, guarantee. 
If, if you were sick and you walked up to Jesus and you asked him to heal you, he would guarantee you he could heal you. Why? Because he operated by these two laws. And I'm going I'm to reveal these two laws. Most of you have heard it before, but most of you will hear it today like you're hearing it for the first time. These two laws. Okay. The law of faith and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what copper wire is to electricity, so faith is to miracle healing power. Let me say that again. What copper wire is to electricity, faith is to the healing power of God. Can you say amen? amen. And John G. Lake said this. John, not for this church, for other people. But he says it's one of the most difficult things in all the world for people who are not familiar with the ministry of healing to comprehend that the Spirit of God is tangible, actual, a living quantity, just as real as electricity, just as real as any other native force. Yes, and a great deal more so. The life principle that stands behind all manifestations of life everywhere. So we know that a law is something that's predictable. It will happen consistently every time you apply it. We know that gravity is a law. The law of gravity means any time you jump off a building, you're going down. There are no exceptions to that law. If you, Jesus knew if I went up on that thing, the devil wanted me to stand on the top of the temple. He knew he was coming down to his death. Gravity works all the time. If God removed gravity, the, everyone on the earth would be killed instantly because we'd just flash up into space. Gravity is here as a law that you can guarantee. You don't have to pray for guarantee of gravity. Gravity will always be working because it is a law. Amen? And I've said as a pilot goes down the, the, the runway and the angle of the wings are set in such an angle as the speed builds up, the air starts going over the wings and coming under it and creates another law, the law of lift. And that law of lift doesn't take gravity away. That law of lift overcomes gravity. Now, we have three pilots in this church. I, I, I guarantee you that when they are going down the runway, I mean, they go pretty fast. They, are ne they, they may be worried about other technical things, but they are never worried. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope the law of lift works this time. It's not when you're praying for something. I hope, I hope, I hope the law works this time. No, they never worry about the law of lift being inconsistent. 100% of the time, the law of lift will overcome the law of gravity. I know you're clever, so you got all that. So yeah, let me give you the first law. It's, it's, and then we'll read it, but we won't put it up now. Because I just love this, this passage of Scripture how many of you know when sin and death, when did sin and death come into this planet? Adam and Eve. When Adam rebelled against God. Sin and death. That's when sickness, there was no sickness before Adam's disobedience. So sin, death, and death and sickness are in the same category. Death and sickness. Sickness is a form of death. It's going to take you to death. So from Adam, the law of sin and death 
came in. You know, there's a law of sin and death on this planet. It is directed by the demonic. It is ravaging Christians all over the world with some unbelievable diseases. This dear lady Kay that was healed at death's door, she is a wonderful lady of God. But the devil doesn't care. He hates you. In fact, he's tried to kill me so many times with sickness and death. He's tried to kill my wife. He, he, especially if you're accounting for God or if you're a sweet, lovely person like Jenny who just walks with God. Her entire heart is, I love you, Jesus. That she, her passion is she lives 24-7 for Jesus. And how dare this dirty devil come and put cancer into her body? Why? Is it because of her sin? No. No, it's because the devil just hates. And, and if you see how many passages in the Bible, Jesus deals with the devil, then he heals the sick. If you look at Luke 13, on the Sabbath day in the synagogue, there's a woman bowed over. She's been this way for 18 years. You'll see many people like this in Hong Kong walking like this. She was bowed over for 18 long years going to the synagogue every year. And Jesus said to her, woman, you're let loose from what once bound you. Then he walked up to her and he put his hands on her and she immediately straightened up. Up, and the synagogue ruler said, there are six days to be healed. Ought not this woman be healed on one of those six days and not on the Sabbath? You're a Sabbath breaker. And Jesus reacts and responds with wisdom. And he says to the synagogue ruler, he's, <laughs> he says, you've got donkeys and you've got oxen or, 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 or cows. And he said, on the Sabbath, you'd water them, wouldn't you? If they fell into a hole on the Sabbath, wouldn't you bring your oxen or your donkey out of the hole? And he says, and basically, Jesus is saying, you should have known about Abraham, and you've had 18 years to get this woman healed. You should have healed her on one of your Sabbaths then. And he's, then he says these words, Luke 13, verse 18, he says this. He says, ought not this woman been a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from what once bound her on the Sabbath day? And it said the whole crowd were amazed and highly impressed with Jesus. I guess that synagogue ruler lost his job. And he should have because he had deceived the people. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and went about doing good, healing all of those who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. What scripture is that? Come on. Give it to me someone. Someone's got to know these scriptures after all of these years of hearing the same sermons. Acts 10 verse 38. Amen. Are you guys not going to answer me or talk back to me? The devil is behind every sickness. Now, if you have a car accident, you get your hand cut off. That's not the devil. That's a car accident. You should have kept your eyes on the road. <laughs> but the Lord still wants to heal your hand. Can you say amen? But every sickness and every disease is from the devil. From the law of the spirit of death. Sin and death. So this is what it's, I love it, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now, and the Greek says, no possibility. There's therefore now no possibility of condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Can you say amen? amen. What is the flesh? The flesh is unbelief and the goodness of God. The flesh is relying on the law. Galatians 3.12 says the law is not based on faith. 
So under the flesh is based on under the law, under condemnation. Walking according to the flesh is walking in unbelief in the goodness of God and trying to brag and be strong in self-righteousness. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Next verse. Anyone tell me the next verse? The next. No, 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 no. You're not allowed to put that on there. You are cheating, John. <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty. <laughs> Suddenly everyone knows the verses, eh? You walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free, has set us free, not going to set you free, has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of lift has overcome the law of sin and death. Let's, okay, let's read it now. Thanks, John. For the, let's read verse 1 as well. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Just keep it there for a moment. This place here is more important than most people realize. So many people walk according to the flesh. And then, then, then religious teachers, they say walking in the flesh means immorality, sinning, you know, pornography. That's walking in the flesh. No, walking in the flesh is walking in unbelief in the goodness of God. That's what it is. Walking in the flesh is unbelief. And it's trusting in the law. Amen. And so the law brings condemnation. And wherever there's condemnation, faith is impossible when there's condemnation. You cannot be condemned by the law and have faith at the same time because the law is not based on faith. You guys following this? Would you be able to teach someone this? Are you taking notes? I know, Rob, we'll get your book. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to put the price up. <laughs> I want everyone in City Church to have this book, and we might even give it to them free if they, if they read it. Because <laughs> we want to train up an army of healers. Amen. There's therefore now no, no possibility. If you feel condemnation, it's not God. It's walking according to the flesh. The moment you feel condemnation, you're walking according to the flesh. You're in unbelief in the grace of God. You don't believe in God's goodness. Now you're feeling condemned for a sin you did yesterday or an attitude you had. Now you're feeling condemned. That means you're walking according to the flesh. And when you're walking according to the flesh, you can't operate in the law of faith. These are simple things. I'm going slow on purpose for the translation because I've got... Carla wrapped me over the knuckles for going too fast. But I'm going slow on purpose because it's not just a sermon. I feel sorry for people who've heard thousands of sermons, but they're not healing the sick yet. I'm sorry for people that have heard thousands of messages of grace, but they still walk according to the flesh. under content. What a waste of services, tithes, rents, offerings. What a waste of time. Every believer, from the time I was saved, I was sitting as close as I could to the front, and I'd write down just about everything the preacher said because I wanted to learn the Word. I didn't want to go to a Bible school where they teach me their slant or their bias. I wanted to listen to lots of different preachers and study for myself in the context. Come on, say amen. Amen. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who's in Christ Jesus here? Just there's no possibility that you can ever be condemned by God. Who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And flesh is just unbelief in God's grace. For the law, say the law. This is like gravity. It's predictable. It will always work. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. This law of sin and death is operating in the earth to produce sickness, disease, or kinds of oppression, demonic, evil behavior. This is what the, that law is. It's a law like gravity. It's just going on and on since Adam and Eve. Do not... Let anyone tell you that God introduced the law of sin and death. Adam introduced that law. And Jesus, last Adam, introduced the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets us free from the law of sin and death. Just like God can't cancel gravity right now, he cannot cancel the law of sin and death until this age on the earth is over. In the meantime, the church needs to be profiled and promoted in high influence around the world. We've got the scent of the gospel, which is forgiveness and healing miracles for the sick. We know the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that can set this world free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is operating all the time on this planet, and yet we, the believers, we can operate in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? All right. Give the Lord a shout there. Give him a clap. Now, now, here's the word. Here's the question now. What's the other law? It's the law of faith. Now, before we put that up there, I want to just check and see. We have to be humble here. Wherever I don't know the Bible, I'm honest about it. We don't want anyone pretending they know everything about the Bible because I've heard many messages. We want to know, can you get the sick healed? Can you cast out demons? Can you resist the devil for yourself? Can you smile by faith? Or do you always need a counselor to make you feel better? We don't want codependency. We want to walk in the spirit and be an encouragement to each other. There's nothing more draining than finding a Christian that is consistently whinging and whining and complaining. We all start avoiding them, whether you like it or not. And eventually a home group leader has to put one of those type of people out of the group because people stop coming to the meeting if the same person is complaining every week. It is a contradiction to be in Christ, seated in the heavenly realms in Christ, and not learning how to smile, and not learning how to be an overcomer by faith, and smile by faith. It's just a contradiction to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the gift of righteousness, all of God's powers upon your life, and to be constantly negative. Okay, occasionally negative, but not constantly. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. So let's look at this. We'll look at this law of faith. Now, some, oh, the law of faith, what does that mean? It means it's predictable. The law of the spirit of life is going to flow every time because it's a law. And now the law of faith is going to be like the copper wire to electricity. But here's the key thing about the law of faith. The law of faith, if it's operating in our life, it removes all boasting. 
When the law of faith is operating in your life, you will not boast about your self-righteousness. You will not boast that you earned the right to give people healing. You will not boast by the law of faith that you deserved healing in your body. So let's have a look at it. Galatia, uh, Romans 3, 27. Look, read it together. Where is boasting then? Can you read that together? One, two, three, go. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Can you see, this is not the law of Moses. These are talking about laws of gravity, laws of lift, law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Where does boasting stop? By the law of faith. Okay, so let me tell you, let me, let me, let me give you this quickly. <laughs> So because there's a law that governs electricity, you all heard me say this, if I wet my fingers and I stick them into an open plug here, okay, how many times, do you want me to show you? <laughs> how many, t so there's a law of electricity that is a law. It's always going to flow if there's copper. Now, if you put silver there, it won't flow. If you put unbelief there, it won't flow. So then it doesn't flow because you put silver in the, the wires. And electricity doesn't come through silver. And many, most metals, it doesn't go through. It doesn't go through paper. But if there's copper there, if the law of faith is there, and the, spirit of the, law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is there, how many times will I get electrocuted if I stick my finger in the wire? Five out of ten? Ten out of ten. Why? Because it's a law. How did Jesus get 100% healed that came to him? Because he was operating by the law of the spirit of life and the law of faith. It wasn't hit and miss. Christians today think God is sovereign and he heals some and he doesn't heal others. And that's just it. No, Jesus is the perfect final will of God and he healed all. Why? Because it is as simple as a law of electricity. How many of you have ever felt electricity? I have. It bites you. It, it gives you a, a shock. My uh, Jack Russell dog, whose name was Skabanga, which is a Zulu word for naughty one. And he was the most amazing dog. I could tell you stories for hours. Highly intelligent. Could speak three languages. Just phenomenal dog, but as naughty. He'd attack Rottweilers, and they would sit down and poo themselves. When he came at them, he just was a crazy dog. He'd sit and watch TV for hours with me. And I'm not lying, he'd watch TV. So if Glenda or someone got in the way, he'd look around her to keep looking, or he'd bite her. And if anyone came near me when I was sitting with him watching TV, he'd bite them. You don't come near Rob. I'm protecting him. Skabenga once bit right through an electric cord. In his teeth, it blew a, a part of his tongue out, it was, and it knocked him out, and there was poo all over the floor. The next day, I took that wire that had blown up in his mouth, and I thought, if I just show him that, I can use it to discipline him, because he was naughty. So I took it to him, and I showed him the wire, and he grabbed it in his mouth. That's the kind of dog he was. <laughs> When you put your finger in there 100% time, because it's a law of electricity, 
on a copper wire, and it's 100% guaranteed. If I lay my hands upon you, I can guarantee you from my side, power will come out of my hands, and you can as well. But I can't guarantee you'll take it, because there's a law of faith that removes boasting, and there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They are laws. They are predictable. They overcome the negative laws every time because they're much more powerful. Okay, you still with me? All right. He has an answer when you walk home and you switch the light on in your home. You switch it on and the lights come on and you go, oh my gosh, I must have been holy today. I must have prayed enough. Look, the lights have come on. I've earned and deserved. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen, what is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith, Romans 3.27. The law of faith can consistently and predictably connect with the living power of God because it never boasts or relies on any self-qualification. Neither does the law of faith feel any disqualification to receive the tangible transfer of healing power. It simply grabs hold of the power boldly and confidently and puts a demand on the power without any boasting or arrogance. The law of faith knows that it knows that it knows that it knows that the healing power of God is tangible and transferable. If you walk into your house... And you switch, you try to switch the lights on and none of the lights come on. Just still black. You don't say, oh no, I've sinned too much today. I haven't fasted enough today. I haven't been religious enough. I haven't gone to church enough. Oh no. Neither would you say, oh, the lights didn't come on. The power station has passed away. The day of electricity is over. If the day of electricity is over, within two months, most of us on this planet will be literally dead. Because as in the natural, the anointing of the natural is the supernatural anointing of the heavenly. So the natural electricity is God's natural anointing in the earth. All our devices would stop. All the banks would have to stop. No transactions could take place across this earth. We would starve to death for lack of the natural electricity. If it wasn't flowing through copper wire, all of us would be dead within months. Yet the church has been living for one and a half thousand years without the law of faith or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We have treated the anointing and the spirit of life like it's not a law. It's just some fluke. It just happens by mistake sometimes. No, any sane person, if the lights didn't come on, you'd go straight down to where your trip box is and you would check your trip fuse. Even I know that. <laughs> and you would just flip it up and all the lights would come on. 95% of the church worldwide, they Trip fuse is switched off by religion. So when you lay hands on them, there's no transfer of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Why? Because they've switched off their trip fuse. Religion has switched it off. Are you guys still tracking with me? Yes. See, the kingdom of heaven is the parent force of what happens on this earth. 
So as the principles of the laws of, the, of this earth are as consistent that science can track them predictably, so the laws of the kingdom, the supernatural realm, is as predictable. And yet religion has made it like God's confused. We don't know when he's going to do what he's going to do. His word shows us he has laws. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of faith is the law that excludes boasting. You see, what does that mean? It means I can have faith without worrying, um, am I holy enough? It doesn't, if I could be, I, look, I don't like all this confusion, uh, spectrum of gender confusion today. I'll just say that I'm not judging the people. I'm just saying it's sad to see how bad parenting has confused so many people. Amen. And my dad wasn't approved, but if, if, you know, when I was about two years old, I put on my sister's uh, uh, ballerina dress and climbed a tree. No, I wasn't trying to be feminine. I wanted to be like uh, someone that could fly. <laughs> so I climbed a very high camphor tree in my sister's pink ballet dress. <laughs> and I got to the highest branch, and then I just dived. <laughs> and I found out I can't fly. <laughs> Fortunately, the, the tree got, the branches got longer towards the bottom, and I, I just went on the ground. And my sister's bladder dress was wrecked. <laughs> and as I was feeling that horror, I see my dad's car coming down the driveway. So I ran inside and hid behind the front door. Because I didn't want his dad, my dad, to see me in a ballet dress, his five-year-old son or whatever. And as he comes in, he swings the door open and said, what are you doing? <gasps> and I can see what's going through his mind now. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I said, Dad. Your son died from the top of the tree to face it. That's good, boy. That's good. Let go do that again. I want to watch you jump from the top of that tree. <laughs> so, whatever you want about gender confusion and whatever. I, I know that I'm not mocking that. I know these people that have issues and they're trying to work their way through that. And praise God. Grace. Can you say grace? Amen. But there are certain things, Romans chapter 1 clearly says there are natural behavior, and then he says unnatural behavior. He says, because when we see the creation, we have no excuse, because the creation shows us clearly there is a creator. Then he writes, and he says, instead of being enlightened in their minds, Romans chapter 1, he says, they become darkened in their minds and worship the creation instead of the creator. Therefore, God turns them over to unnatural behavior, from natural behavior to unnatural behavior as the earth is as people on the earth are worshiping mother earth as they're honoring earth as mother and the god and ignoring the creator they are exchanging natural relationships for unnatural relationships and the world is becoming wicked and evil yeah yeah and the church should love everybody. I don't care if some, whatever gender someone wants to be, they're welcome at the church. We love them. Amen. We love them. We receive them. They, 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 they're no more sinful than any of us were before we got saved. Can you say amen? Sin is sin. It doesn't matter about the degrees. One degree will get you into hell. 
So you may you're way out there, all that confusion. But we say, come in, get born again, get filled with the Spirit, and you'll start moving more to natural thinking because of supernatural. Can you say amen? So, so I'm going to say this because of sin is in different grades. And, and, and oh, by the way, we would not have anyone in leadership who had unnatural relationships. And if anyone came into this church and tried to convert someone to an unnatural relationship, the leaders here would call them aside gently and say, no, we don't believe in that here. And if they said, I'm sorry, we submit to that, then we would honor that. But if we found out they were carrying on secretly, we would put them out the church. Amen. But if they're not converting other people and they're in the process of hearing the word and the love of God and grace, which could give them hope to take on more natural relationships, then we are saying, please, Hong Kong, because we know there are millions in this city with all kinds of unnatural things happening in their life. And the church will just put the law on them. But let them come into city church, bring the lost into this house for goodness sake, and let them hear God's love and God's grace through Jesus Christ. We're not yet a judge them we are to see them justified we need to love the lost i was really lost i was really a bad sinner i like it when they are passionate sinners they become passionate christians i don't like lukewarm sinners if you're going to sin like really sin so that when you get saved you'll be really after jesus come on say amen yeah the point i'm trying to make if I'm a gay person, if I'm a straight person, if I'm pink, if I'm blue, if I've whatever immorality in my life, whatever, whatever, it, the worst things think of, don't, don't think of it as me, but the worst things, when I stick my finger into electricity, the electricity is not going to say, eh, no, we don't touch gay people. It's not, oh, you what? No, you what superior race? No, not you. The electricity is not biased it is not prejudiced. The law of the spirit of life will flow because of the law of faith excludes boasting. That's why in the ministry of Jesus, people who are full of bitterness, unforgiveness, full of immorality, if they got near him, they were healed. Because the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus flows without any bias. Can you say amen? And if you don't believe me, stick your finger in there and you'll see. Line any people up, the electricity will touch anybody. Same thing. When you lay your hands on people, preach the word to them first so the law of faith can rise in their hearts. Then release the spirit of life. Let them understand this is a law. This is a predictable guarantee. And if you don't get it right, then keep working at it until the two meet together. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of faith that excludes boasting. Amen. All right. Nearly finished now. It's pretty hot, eh? Am I just hot? Okay. 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 So I won't, I won't keep you much longer and only two more hours. Okay, so let's look at my famous, you know, people think I wrote this in the Bible, but actually the Holy Spirit did. But I use this so often. I want you to see this. Magnificent. Now, let's look at Mark. Let's go to the Mark. Okay, now, now, now watch this. There's so much in this that we can just clinch this thing of the law of the spirit of life. Sets us free from the law of sin and death and the law of faith. 
Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Read it with me. And had suffered many things from many physicians. That's not wrong about doctors, but doctors didn't know stuff in those days that they know now. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, listen, how does faith come? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, she heard about Jesus. Okay, what would she have heard about Jesus? That the Pharisees were saying that the the prostitutes and the lepers and all the bad people, they were sick because of their sin. That's what the Pharisees were telling people. And then she would have heard about Jesus, that Jesus was healing lepers. He was healing prostitutes. He was healing people. You see, the power was coming out of Jesus without any bias. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will always respond to the law of faith. 100%. It's predictable. Amen. She heard about Jesus and faith came by hearing. This guy is not biased. Power comes out of him. All right. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. What does faith do? Out of the abundance of the heart, faith will always speak. She said, if, if I just touch him, I will be made well. Because faith had come by hearing about Jesus. All right? Immediately. Say immediately. When you stick your finger into an electric plug, how long does it take before you feel? All right. If it doesn't happen immediately, something's wrong. Either I've got an asbestos suit on or rubber gloves. You know, religion will give you rubber gloves and asbestos suits to immunize you to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It'll take away from you the law of faith because it wants you to be self-righteous and boast and be worthy enough to get the healing. But if you just do this according to Scripture, you should never have to wait more than one second to feel electricity. I know I'm being pedantic, which means boring. But I'm telling you, while I'm talking here, even to a well-taught congregation who knows a lot, I can still feel the brain cogs again. We kind of thought it was fairly predictable, but you're saying it's like predictable as science. Yes, if the natural world's predictable, the parent force that birthed this natural world is even more predictable. And we have robbed generations and, and centuries of people who have spent all they had and didn't get better, got, got worse. Kay was about to die, but someone in Hong Kong held on to her with the word and brought her back from the brink of death. Do you know what Kay's going to do now? She's going to be like a wrecking ball going through the nations, giving her testimony of how faithful Jesus is to heal. They were on our international prayer meeting the other night. If you've got to lay hands on someone for 10, 15 minutes, it's wrong already. If you've got to lay hands on them for one minute, it's already gone wrong. How long does it take when the law of faith connects with the law of the spirit of love? How long does it take when you put your finger in there? Well, why is that not happening in 100% of the cases whenever people pray for the sick? Because you haven't prepared them properly. 
They don't want to listen. See, I'm forcing you to listen. I'm making you listen. You're going, hurry up, bro, move on now. Now, you see, they're not prepared to listen. So we can't perpetuate more, hundreds of years more of just substitute false counterfeit praying for the sick. We've got to understand the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of faith. And the moment you touch someone, they should immediately feel something coming out of your hands. Because you've prepared them. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If they say to you, no, I don't want you to preach the word to me. I haven't got time. I've got to go to the movies. Uh, Just lay your hands on me and pray for me now. You should just say, no, no, I'm sorry. I won't do that. I won't do that because I I don't want to be fake. And I don't want to just misrepresent how wonderful Jesus is. But when you've got time, like an hour, you come to my house, I'll come to your house, and I'll sit and I'll I'll open the scriptures and I'll unpack it until it's so clear to you. Then when I lay my hands on you, immediately something will happen. People think by praying for half an hour, that's going to... Listen, friends, that is not what happens in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and in the law of faith. And that's how Jesus operated And that's how we operate. Well, Rob, what about the gifts of the Spirit? Yeah, if the gifts of the Spirit manifest, then run with it. When the gifts of the Spirit manifest, you just walk up to someone. And you you see, when when a gift manifests, it means God unscrews the top of your head. And he puts his faith down into your heart. And for maybe 20 seconds, you walk around like Superman. And you say, I say to you, arise. You will live and not die. And it happens. And then 20 seconds later, the gift demanifests. And you're back in Clark Kent. And you just feel like, oh, God. The gifts only last for a couple of seconds. When they come on me, I run because I know they will lift off. The gifts are for a moment. You understand what I'm saying yeah? So, so thank God when the gifts operate and run and move quickly. When you feel that invincible, know that I know I'm going to get this person healed. And I've seen the worst cases healed when those gifts come on me. But I've also been in places where it's a, it's a cripple and the gift's not manifesting. You say, well, why doesn't God manifest the gift? Because he wants you to teach the word and so that faith comes by hearing. So when they do get healed by the word, then they will stay stable and build their lives on the word. But people who get healed just by the gifts, but don't bother about the word, they are very unstable people. People can get healed by the gifts of the Spirit, and they had no faith. The person praying for them had the gift of faith that was there just for 20 seconds, and then it left. And then that person gets healed, and two days later, the sickness comes back, and now they go, oh, God didn't heal me. But when you build the Word that it's God's will to heal, and you talk about the cross, and you're healed at the cross, and you build the Word into someone's life, they can take their healing and fight through the symptoms even after they prayed, but eventually the Word is what's going to heal them. It's the word that builds stability into a human being's life and builds maturity. Come on, amen. And when, if you've never had a gift of healing or the working of miracles, the Greek is enigmata dunamis. It means creative power. It suddenly comes on you. You know it's different. And when you move in that, it's like 20, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, two minutes, and then it's gone. And then you're back to normal. And then you're back to teaching the word, which is the best way to get people healed. But when the gifts operate, run it and do it. But make sure the people get healed by the gifts. Get them and sit them down and teach them the word of God. Because they might have to fight symptoms that try to come back. And you can only do that with the word. 
Okay, let's, let's read this. Let's carry on here. Immediately, everyone say, see that one word took me off course. See, it's the Bible's fault. But I like this word immediately. Immediately I lay hands on someone. If they've been prepared, they should feel. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt. Say, everyone say felt. Oh, I thought we weren't meant to be touchy-feely. I'm touchy-feely. When that stuff's coming out of my hands, I can feel it going out of my hands. If I lay my hands on someone and they don't take it, I can feel it going out of my hands, bouncing off their unbelief and coming back to me. You say, really? Is that, is that how real it is? Even more real than I can explain. She felt, she felt in her body. This is in the Bible. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She felt it. She felt the power. Notice what happened to Jesus. And Jesus immediately, say immediately. immediately. Knowing. Epignosos, Greek. He knew, he experienced something. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? He had to turn around because she came up from behind him. Notice, he could feel the power. When you lay hands on someone, you should feel something going out of you. And they should immediately feel something coming into them. This is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of faith. And they are predictable as gravity and the law of lift. They are not a mystery. We have made the Bible too mysterious. We need to bring it right down to exact predictable principles. If the person isn't healed, don't get discouraged. You haven't taught enough. You haven't taught clearly enough. You might take longer because they've got so much confusion in their head with religious traditions. Some people take more washing to get clean of wrong thinking than others. Amen. When my boys were little boys, I used to take them on holidays and I would smear them in dog's turd or I'd take them down and cover them with mud so they'd come out looking like Zulus, like black children. And, and, and now to get them clean took a long time because all that stuff dried up and got hard. And so Some people have been sitting under religious traditions and propaganda and they've been conditioned for years. Some of them are so far gone that they will never change. But others are still reachable, but you're not going to teach them for 10 minutes and remove 30 years of brainwashing in 10 minutes. You're going to have to know the word a little bit. Not like an expert, but key passages of the scripture. You're going to need to know the context. You need to study it. Amen. And someone says, will you pray for me? Say, yeah, I will. But will you sit for an hour while I teach you the word? So you can cooperate intelligently. So immediately something's going to happen. See, I'd rather take one hour of teaching and 10 seconds of praying than 10 seconds of teaching and one hour of endless, oh, please, Lord. <laughs> and you know, it's nothing is happening. There's no flow. Amen. Because they've got rubber gloves on. Did we finish that? Okay. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Notice they didn't touch him. They touched his clothes. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitudes thronging you. Thronging just means crowding you, pressing against you. Say pressing. pressing. Okay, pressing. That's a big word. Pressing, thronging, pressing against Jesus. You, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing 
But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith. See, many Christians today, they don't want to waste time trying to get faith from the word. Let the guru come. No, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And let me just read this to you that I wrote down in my book here. Jesus did not know who touched him, but he did feel the tangible and discernible power flowing out of him. He didn't know who touched him. Secondly, he didn't know if it was a man or a woman or someone that was immoral or sinful. He didn't know who had touched him, but the power left him and went into her before he had even turned around. Thirdly, Jesus didn't say yes or no. This is a big one. Fourthly, this is a big one for us Hong Kongers. Jesus did not even pray for her. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Jesus did not even pray for her. It is clear that it is not up to God whether we get healed or not. God has always kept the power switch on from his side. The electricity is always flowing from heaven's side. The electricity is always flowing through the finished work of the cross. If you don't all add old covenant law concepts to the cross, which will bring condemnation, which will stop faith, but if you walk not in the flesh but in the spirit and believe under no condemnation, I'm telling you the power is on all the time. It doesn't come on when you fast. It doesn't come on when you pray. It doesn't come on all those things that the church has taught for centuries. The power is flowing constantly. It is clear that it's not up to God whether we get healed or not. God has always kept the power switched on from his side. Maybe we have to flick a faith, a fuse. And doing that is hearing and hearing and hearing the word. That's how you flick it back on. Okay? And look at this. She did not beg for healing. She did not try to earn her healing. She simply took it. She stuck her fingers into the heavenly electrical socket. Now, I know I'm laboring this point, but I want you to see how clear this is. Can you give me a few more minutes? Three and four minutes. Is our four or four minutes like half an hour? No. Okay. Now, just think about this because all of these thoughts you can write down or remember and remind yourself. Remember that the crowd was pressing in and touching Jesus. They were all pressing in and they were all touching him. Why were they touching him? They wanted to be healed. Because they knew that he was healing people, but they were just touching him by ritual, but not revelation. They were all touching him. But the law of faith was not making any contact with the law of spirit of life because they did not have any faith. All they had was traditions. Today, the majority of Christians would glibly and so readily say because the reason those crowds never got healed, even though they were touching Jesus, they will say the reason they didn't get healed is because it wasn't God's will to heal them all. We have absolutely proved that ungodly assumption is wrong in consistent teaching from the word of God etc. in our previous chapters. They had no clue. The crowd touching Jesus 
had the same misinformation as many do today. The crowd touching Jesus had the same misinformation as many do today. They had no clue about the flow of the anointing. This was not their fault. Their religious leaders did not teach them the ways of the supernatural kingdom. Their leaders controlled the masses with condemnation and shame. They were touching Jesus with, with their faith fuse switched off because of years of misinformation about the perfect goodness of the nature of God. There are many today who want to be healed, but their minds and their hearts are cluttered with contradictions that prevent them making the connection to the divine power of God. And here's the good news for all people in, in the here and now in our world today. The seed of this woman's sorrow for 12 years. Listen to this. This woman had been sick for 12 years. She could have been healed 12 years earlier. The seed of this woman's sorrow for 12 years became the grace of revelation for thousands of others to hear the simple secret of the two laws of faith and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Contact and transmission of tangible power being transferred into their bodies as well. They learned, listen to this, they learned from her revelation. Do you know how powerful your example is? We can have thousands of people in these big halls and have the big speakers come in from around the world. People just sit there and they, hey, yeah, it's big, famous speakers. And then they go back to China or go back wherever and nothing's changed in the city. Because they, they just think it's that guy. He's the big guru. No, teaching must be a bit boring. It's got to like get into the nitty gritty and catch this. They knew from her, they learned from her revelation. Now, and we're going to just read a few verses here. And I want to see that this woman changed everything. She gave an example. She gave revelation. She showed about these two laws. So let's look at this last scripture in Mark chapter 6, verse 54 to 56, you see, once people realized that there are two laws are in operation because they learned from this woman, they've been touching him and getting nothing from him. Many Christians are trying to get prayer, but they're getting nothing. But these people learned, my gosh, we were all touching him and we got nothing, but she got something. Is she more holy than us? No. Let's find out why she got something and we got nothing. Instead of saying, oh, it couldn't have been God's will to heal us. No, they got a revelation. We were touching him by a ritual, a religious ritual. She was touching with faith. So suddenly, the word of God now will prove that on that day she got healed and thousands in the crowd did not get healed. This will now prove it was always God's will that all those people touching him got healed if they'd understood the law of faith and the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And, and verse 54, and when they came out, this is one chapter later, so it's just after this event with the woman. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. They ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. However, he entered into the villages, cities, or the country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many, say as many, that means all, and as many as touched him were made well. It went from one getting healed 
to all getting healed because it was a transition from tradition and ritual to a revelation. Now, I can tell you that I don't know if I'm irritating you or pressurizing you to listen. <laughs> All I know is that I'm happy because <laughs> we're raising up an army here. This is God's will for us, friends, that we get to a place, we get out the boat so many times, we sink and get back in the boat, then we get out the boat, some are healed, and then some not healed, then we get back in the boat, and every time we get back in the boat, we don't go, oh, that was confusing, I don't know why that person didn't get healed. Now we know why people don't get healed, not because it isn't God's will, it's because we've got to get these two laws in operation. And the only way you can get these two laws in operation is that you become very clear about it. Amen. If I ran up and down today and I just preached like prophetically and I just shouted, oh, glory, there's coming a mighty move of, of healing in the world. Oh, glory, hallelujah, shakarabha. Wow, I tell you, I'm telling you, you're going to see the dead raised. You're going to see, oh, they're going to see, you can see people flying through, and everyone goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then everyone goes home and they go, how? See, if prophetic keeps whipping people up to an expectation, but doesn't show them the science, the laws that govern miracles, and remove the mystery and the confusion of the traditions of men, and just get it down to the basic truths of Scripture, then how many of you can see? Instead of me going, how many of you can see if you apply this, a day could come. One day, when we get out the boat, and we just keep on walking on the water constantly, and everyone who comes to us is healed. I defy you, I dare you, to think what that would mean. Thousands and thousands in Hong Kong would hear thousands have been healed. And we would see hundreds of thousands of Hong Kong people turn to Christ and receive him as their Lord because they realize he is alive. He's doing these miracles because these people surely can't be the source of the miracles, especially that guy, that old man. Can you imagine why the devil's trying to stop miracles so much? Because miracles are the dinner bell that rings and gets the attention of the unbelievers. And he's fought miracles. Most churches in America, uh, pastors want to let the Holy Spirit move. They don't want him to move because the people are too uncomfortable. They don't want to try and pray for the sick because if people die and don't get healed, the pastor feels, oh, my reputation looks bad, so I'm going to stay on the boat. No, your pastor and our pastors, we're just going to get out the boat, and if we fail, we're going to tell you openly, we failed. And we'll walk back to the boat with Jesus, and we're going to keep getting out of the boat until everyone is healed. Come on. Because that's the way it works. So, one minute now, and I'll close with this. Everyone who touched him got healed. And I'll just read this in closing. In 1981, the Holy Spirit revealed to me these truths. But in the later 1980s, God really opened these simple laws of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of faith at a higher level. 
I was invited to speak in the city of Durban. The name of the conference was We See a New South Africa. I give the name of that conference only because there are people that are alive today in South Africa that were present there to verify what I'm about to say. God spoke to me very clearly. He said, preach the law of contact and transmission of tangible power, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and the law of faith. Then call people forward who want healing. He said, do not interview one person, no one. Don't ask them what their sicknesses are. Don't talk or interact with them. He said, run down the line and tap each of the person for the briefest moment on the head. They will be like the woman with the issue of blood. They will be like the woman with the issue of blood. They will be like the woman with the issue of blood. They will not be passive. They will not be passive. Just like the woman who pressed through the crowd, she put her put action to her faith. She put demand on the power of God. She took the initiative. So I ran down a long row of people. The power of God was so tangible on me. Each person I briefly touched pulled the power out of me in a way I have never felt before. They put a demand on the power. They grabbed it like the woman did. It was so thrilling, so tangible to feel the power of God leaving me and instantly flowing into every single person I briefly touched. I laid hands on a lot of people so fast that within minutes it was all over. My co-pastor Dave Lepolsky came running up to me and said, Rob, all kinds of miracles have happened almost instantly. There was a lady who was completely blind in one eye. She could see. She was weeping and laughing. The deaf without eardrums could hear easily. God recreated eardrums and more and more miracles. The next night, the next night, we could not fit the crowd in. I called for the lost to be saved and a great crowd came forward. Wherever you have miracles and the glory of God present, God interrupts religion as normal and shows what he can do. What I learned that day is when people move from ritual to revelation, the biggest miracles are not difficult. In Mark 5, only one person got healed. In Mark 6, they all got healed by the same dynamic of touching him. What had changed? Revelation of the principle of contact and transmission. When we end up laying hands on people for so long and very little happens, it's because we do not understand the lady with the issue of blood or understand it clear enough. She didn't wait for Jesus' prayer. She didn't wait for Jesus' prayer. She took the initiative. She pulled the power into her. The church that is hungry for revival in these days is going to create contexts and supernatural climates where people see by revelation how simple the principle of contact and tangible transference of power takes place. Bring it on, Lord. The earth is crying out for deliverance. Amen. I would like to stand here as a living testimony. This is not a story only happened in the Bible or what we heard from Pastor Rob share somewhere else ago is here in Hong Kong. And uh, about six, seven years ago, I had a rare disease that the doctor diagnosed that I got a triangular nerve system broke down, that it caused half of my face will be super in extrusion pain. And the doctor diagnosed that it would never go back. It would only get worse and worse. It 
ultimately my entire face will be distorted. So he provided me with two solutions. My mom was with me. She was scared to death. <laughs> and then, uh, so either you need to spend millions of dollars, fly to uh, USA to get a surgery done, but it will not guarantee you to be completely healed. Or you, you take another medicine that will subside your reaction of your brain so you become dumb. So I was like very young, as you can see. <laughs> and then I was thinking either beauty or, or, or wisdom, I want them both, like what Pastor Rob shared. That I don't believe that uh, you know God gave me a life like that. So I remember that was a time I was studying in CBC Bible College, learning about healing. So exactly what Pastor Rob was talking about, I was receiving a lot of work to renew my identity in Christ that I know that I have the right. God gave me the right through salvation that by his stripe I'm healed. So I pray to God. I say, God, you know, whatever way you want me to go to hospital or wait for you, I'm willing. So I pray and ask God about that. And he spoke to me and said, do not do anything. I'll heal you directly. So, uh, you know, I was suffering pain. I was still go to work. I was still attending the class at that time, as usual, haven't knew it. And so a half year gone by, and then one day I just felt led by God to go to a conference in Singapore. I didn't know it was a healing conference until I reached there. And so during, we was a three days whole section of preaching. But on the second day of it, halfway, no one beside me. I felt I need to go to the toilet, but I won't, don't want to miss out the preaching. But ah, I still need to go. So I just went to the toilet, sit in the toilet. You know, the seat anyway is gross. <laughs> but you know what? Surprisingly, God in that moment, when you are Alex's most expected, he spoke to me and said, do you believe I can even heal you right now? And I said, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, I was in pain. So I immediately lay hand on my face. It was here and pray. And that moment, I really felt some huge flow from top to toe. And 50% of the pain was gone. And praise the Lord. Yeah. So in the three weeks gone by, it's a progressive healing. My mom can testify it. She literally witnessed me. The pain gone less and less until, and I make a booking before I went to the conference and I see to see a doctor to give him the final answer. So I, I was completely healed, and I went there, and the doctor asked me, you know, what is your decision? I said, you know what, I'm healed. And the doctor looked at me in shock. She never had come across such a case. He said, how are you going to get healed? I said, God, heal me I, for a prayer. And he's like, he, he lost word. He said, oh, okay, so um, if you need me, come back to me then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And I say, no need, thank you. God will, God will heal it, you know, the first time, the second time he will. So what I want to share is, uh, the story doesn't end here, okay? There are two, three years of time the pain come back and off. But I remember like what Pastor Rob said, you know, when I know that I know that I got the healing and nothing can take away this healing from me. You know, the, the enemies at your door is just knocking and trying to annoy you. I say, no, you're starting to stop here. I rebuke it wherever it comes. So it's it getting less and less pain and until two, three, three years afterward, nothing come back again. Yeah, amen. So just wanted to, yeah, thank you. Reconfirm, it's not, no one pray for me. 
not many people knowing what happened. And it's all about standing firm in the word of God. Continue, continue to rebuke the enemy by yourself and your faith will heal you. Amen. That, that's awesome. That's, that's such an awesome, that's exactly awesome testimony. And I love the fact of the honesty of saying, yeah, symptoms try to come back, but you fought them. It was a supernatural healing. I mean, wow, God heals in toilets. And thank God there was no one in there laying hands on you. But <laughs> the point I'm making is you got healed on your own in a toilet, which is phenomenal. You didn't get healed in a church building. It got healed in a toilet. <laughs> phenomenal and you got completely healed and then stuff tried to come back and you fought it that's important for everyone to have heard that you stand on the word even when you've been healed and then the stuff tries to come back you stay on the word not confused that's the power that's the power if, if she'd been healed by if christina had been healed by a gift of the spirit and she hadn't got the word in her from going to uh, charisma, charisma bible school if she hadn't got the word in her uh, and she just got healed by a gift uh, when that symptoms came back, she would have surrendered to it. And the devil said, thank you very much. I'll eat you up now for lunch.